sure to see the scanning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there All the smiling faces Gathered along the Scotswood Road To see the bleeding races We went to bleeding races Twas on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon We took the bus from Bambras And she was heavy laden Where we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, me lads, you should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there All with smiling faces Gunning along the Scotswood Road To see the Bladen races You're and welcome to another episode of CHN Radio, ladies and germs. I am Elijah and I'm joined alongside on this very fine Tuesday evening slash probably by the time we're done with this Wednesday morning by the, the, the host with the most, Josh. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. You know what happened to us? You know what happened? Time zones, man. We were on the same time zone. And then we had that daylight savings. And now yeah. we're not in the same time zone. Arizona problems, man. Well, I guess it will actually, this will be the new norm because I don't think anyone else is doing doing daylight savings anymore in uh, the No, US. I think that was the last switchback for us. I think that's what we voted for. And sure. I think we've even talked about this before, but I'm not sure. No, we did, but I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. We might have. Actually, no, yeah. we did because we told everyone to check their clocks. So hopefully people didn't sleep in and miss the match or wake up too early i don't know actually what it would have been so who knows um (laughs) anyway uh yeah the normal stuff uh follow us on socials uh just type in chn podcast or coming on newcastle um looks like next week we're gonna i'll be joining the uh, false nines boys for a little world cup preview so stay tuned for that and of course check out the site there's been some pretty cool stuff written up um, that, that we'll – some of the topics we'll actually touch on today. But, of course, the match reports are up. And I'm sure later on this week we're going to get some more juicy content from Graham and the boys. Um, and, you know, who knows? I might I might throw something up because I got something on my mind that we're going to get Uh-oh. to in a second. Um, but let's uh, let's get into – let's get into it. Um, let's, let's start with the news. Um, Josh, Newcastle women. Well, you know weekend. What? Yes, I love I love the squad. I love the direction they're going in. And they went top of the table. They got a 2-1 win away to York City. They did it. They got goals from Georgia Gibson and from Katie Barker. Uh, I've reached out to Katie, and hopefully she accepts our invitation to hop on the pod here in the next few weeks. Fingers crossed. Um, they play away to Hull City in the FA Cup uh, on Sunday. And then they have two weeks before their next league fixture on the 27th. Now, I mean, if they win uh, on Sunday, that may change the way the schedule works out. So maybe they'll scooch a game earlier or scooch a game later. I'm not quite sure. But you and I will check back in on on that whole city result and how that affected the schedule perhaps as early as next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited. It seems, seems like we're trending in the right direction uh, for promotion. So that's a positive and uh i'm i don't know it's just exciting to see uh also something to note uh, exciting to see sort of the the culture of the club has shifted from top to bottom i know uh we got a lot of slack and and stuff for 
the the famous no now Picture. famous uh, pictures after uh-huh. every win, which now honestly it, it's I've gotten so used to it <laughs> that I like you you don't even really notice them anymore, um, and which is a good thing I guess. But uh, like I think that's really cool to see the big story of the last couple of weeks is that the women's team has started to do them, and you're seeing it in the youth levels as well. Like everyone's starting to do it, which is cool. It just creates a sort of winning culture of the club, and I think just it's good stuff. It, it just shows you, you know, top to bottom, like there's, there's a culture shift happening and it's exciting that we're witnessing it. Absolutely. I would also throw in the uh, women's development team got a big win recently as well. So, and it's just like the, like you said, it's a culture shift. They're winning the women's first team's winning. The men are winning. Like the youth team great. actually looks pretty solid, which is, I mean, yeah. longtime listeners of the pod know that the youth team has not always been uh, our strong suit. It was pretty much uh, Greg would always talk about the youth team and all the prospects and like looking at the, sh- the 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 bright spots, but it would always be followed by we lost for nothing to, uh, to to like Middlesbrough Middlesbrough's like U twenty ones or something like that. So um, it, it's exciting to see uh, that that culture shift. Um, moving on to international call ups, I'm sure by the time. Uh, the end of this week happens actually really by the end of this week, we'll know every call up, but we can briefly talk about the ones that uh, have been announced. And so, so far uh, we've had a couple of announced uh, Garang Cole, which I feel like I, we have to get a handle on, uh, on how to say his name. If we're going to keep saying it, uh, he was named to the Australian squad, which is an interesting one because he, uh, he just, as we all know, recently sort of made his debut for the squad and found his, himself you know with a, a place in the squad so that's cool for him to see he's got a really cool story there's a lot of people writing about it so um if if you have some time there's some really cool articles about like his upbringing and stuff that are out there uh, so shout out to him and that's exciting stuff bruno will be making the trip alongside 11 other premier league players yes. that will be for the that will be playing for the brazilian national team um and i guess notably for the rest of the world there was a couple of shocks, but uh, like Danny Alves is is in the squad. He's forty. Um, yeah, that team so, looks insane, though. Like no, on paper, insane. it looks insane. And this on paper, I mean, and also uh, watching them in real life, uh, there's not a lot of people that have ever gone completely undefeated in World Cup qualifying. But this Brazil squad did, and I don't think a lot of people talk about that. And mm. maybe some of that is Euro snobbery, but I think as Americans and knowing. Like, you know, where Conan Ball is and how I think people on, in our hemisphere rate Conan Ball, um, that's very impressive. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's very impressive. You know what I, I think is interesting is maybe it's uh, yeah, is this conversation that we've had all, you know, so far, um, accessibility. Um, yeah. I don't know where to find a Brazil match. And, and to be quite honest with you, like, my interest in international football is pretty low to begin with. Of course. But, but I do appreciate... I do appreciate when a good group of players has come together and, you know, and I may, and I may watch a few matches in the world cup because it is the freaking world cup. Yeah. But, but you're I not just, bending over backwards for it. I'm not going to pay any extra, um, any extra money to stream. I'm not going to buy a t-shirt. I'm not going to spend any money on this. I'm not giving FIFA anything like, yeah, I but, feel you. but if it's already on, if players I'm interested in are playing, if I get to watch Bruno, um, 
You know, and then and then I, I want to watch Fred. I saw your I saw your tweet earlier, and I've seen a lot of other people tweet about Fred. And <laughs> and to be honest with you, like all I've ever heard is him underperforming for Manchester United, right? Yeah, and, and that's sort of the common refrain. And so when people are like, "Well, I can't believe Fred is on there," and and Big Joe isn't, like, but you had a, you had a succinct point. Like, Fred's not a bad player. Yeah, Fred's not a bad player, and um, I, I, it, there's a lot to unpack there. And I, like you said, I mean, Roberto Firmino also was not named to the squad, which was shocking to a lot of people. But, yeah, no um, Bobby, huh? Yeah, and so um, that's an interesting one for sure. But it also kind of makes sense given if you're looking at like how, like, I mean, he wasn't really you know that available for the the most recent round of uh, Brazilian foot footy and i think they they've experimented with playing uh that i that i think i've literally have experimented with playing other attacking players because they have so many technically gifted players that all can finish really well all can move the ball well they have they're experimenting with like some of those guys like neymar playing as you know false nines or like they they had a match where they had a 4-4-2 with lucas paqueta and neymar as the strikers and they won that game like three nothing so it's like they they it's it's a team that's so good they can do whatever they want. Um, but uh, real quick because I think this needs to be said, Joelinton uh, did not make the squad to the dismay of Newcastle fans. And I want to be clear, only Newcastle fans. Like nobody else. Like he wasn't even on the radar. Um, I spoke with a friend of the program, Roberto Rojas, who. I'm not going to say we gave Roberto his big break, but we were the first people to reach out to Roberto about Miguel Amaron, and then he became Twitter famous after that. So I'm just – I don't know. I'm just going to put two and two together. But uh, he he covers South American football of all – you know, of, of every country. He's Paraguayan, so he he's very plugged into uh, Conan Ball, and he's got a whole podcast uh, about Paraguayan football and South American football, like – Check his stuff out for sure. But he and I were having, we're going back and forth about it um, earlier because there's a lot of comparisons between Joelinton and Fred. And I think it's a path that Newcastle fans do not want to walk down. Uh, It goes back to what we've said in the past. There's a lot of fans, and Josh even admitted to this, like he doesn't really watch the Brazilian national team. And I have watched them a a little bit over the years. I mean, I watched them in Copa America, of course, um, which again, I don't even know if people in the UK had access to Copa America, but in America, it was pretty easy for us to watch Copa America. Uh, it just was, we got to watch it at the same time as Euros. It was sick. Um, but Fred, <laughs> Fred is, he's, he is crucial for this team. Um, and also found out that, uh, how to say a Brazilian manager's name, I think it's Chi Chi. It's not, it, it's spelled tight or Tite or, I, but it's, I think it's Chi Chi. But it does uh, make a, ch- a ch- sound, huh? Yeah. And okay. with Port- Brazilian Portuguese. Um, but he's been immense for him. I mean, overall, Fred is like, and this is again, people don't know this. Out of all the players he's he's named, I think obviously there are veterans in that squad that everyone knows about. You know, Neymar, uh, Casemiro, uh, you know, uh, Thiago Silva, Danny Alves, like Fabinho. Fred is up there in terms of caps for this for this squad. He's got 28 caps for uh, Brazil. And so it's, you know, 28 appearances that he has for the Brazilian team. He's been in the mix since, I want to say, 2014. And he's been a mainstay for them in the midfield alongside Casemiro in a double pivot. He's played ahead of Casemiro. He's played as a holding midfielder by himself. He's just been incredibly versatile. He gets a lot more freedom with the Brazilian squad. And I think, like, I'll say the quiet part out loud 
for the two quiet things out loud. First and foremost, let's give Fred credit where credit is due. Like, I think he is a good player himself. He was good before he got to Manchester United. And maybe he wasn't good at Manchester United because they haven't had the best managers. I mean, the, the in the time Fred has been there, I think he's gone through. I think he's on his third manager at this point. So at least, yeah. So let's let's not let's not let's not forget well, that. Like, yes, yes. I mean, fans everywhere love a good scapegoat. Yeah, they love a good but, scapegoat. And but but like, let's be real. I mean, yeah. Jolinton's in better form, and that's even then. I don't even think he's had the best start to the season. He's been fine, but he's on the better team that has been one of the best teams in the last year of the Premier League. So there's that. And then let's here's the other part that people don't want to hear, but has to be said. If you look at that Brazilian roster, top to bottom, I do not think there is a player that Joelinton is more technically gifted than on that team. Like, go through the roster. I I, I will, I, like, guarantee you there is nobody on that team that Joelinton is tight. Even, even if you say Ederson, like, there is nobody on that team. Joel Linton is is more technically gifted than. I'll just leave it at that. Like, this is a guy who trips over grass. Like, let's let's calm it. Let's calm down a little bit. But yeah, that's Brazil. I don't think we got any more thoughts on on international cops. It should be a fun World Cup. I'm sure the usual suspects, who are typically shoe ins for their respective teams, are going to be there, like Fabian Chair. And then uh, we'll see what happens with England. Um, and then a couple of quick things. Uh, Premier League has introduced a, a fan engagement or the fan engagement standard, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Josh, but it's essentially this new program they've rolled out that is requiring all the Premier League teams to do a better job at engaging with fans. So uh, by January 2023, every club has to present a fan engagement plan uh, for the year. And I believe that it's going to be the case for that every single year. Um, so this was sort of in response to, I think, the last couple of years of, of fan unrest uh, in, in the Prem across a lot of different teams, whether it be Newcastle fans, Man United fans, uh, fans of all teams complaining about away tickets, things like that. Mm. There, There's a lot to unpack. And yes, I think overall Premier League clubs could do a better job at doing fan relations. I think Newcastle have started off pretty well. Um, it seems like all of the major supporter gr- supporters groups that have that have had the opportunity to work with the club and the the super fans that have had the opportunity to work with the club are extremely grateful and they claim that the club is taking uh you know the best interest of the fans so far so that's cool um any thoughts on that josh real quick no it's super good like i guess i guess uh even though i do follow the the results and and the and the clubs week in week out um through a lot of different sources i don't sort of get um, you know, our man in the stands type of reports from from the league, which is interesting. Um, and it's probably just related to proximity. Yeah. Um, you know, here in the States, even even if I don't go to a Timbers match, I hear how it went. Yeah. And also, like when I know that groups of Portland fans have traveled away to Atlanta or if they've traveled away to New England, um, those are two different fan experiences, you know, out in Foxborough in the middle of nowhere in the suburbs. And you have to take, you know, an extra 45 minute bus and then go park in the mud and then hike into the stadium. And then you have to, you know, and then, you know, you're you're funneled into limited seating, yeah. whereas in Atlanta, it's gorgeous. There's super access to food. It's a beautiful facility, lots of uh, amenities and a pretty hospitable group of fans there as well. So, I mean, it, but I know all this. Thank you, by the way, I, uh, I, I, as I, one of those fans. Thank you. 
<laughs> Absolutely. But like these things are known, you know, your trip to your trip to Austin and to check out that new field in Austin, your trip to Cincinnati. Like I know that, but it's probably because of the people I follow are yeah. fans. Whereas yeah. what I follow about the premier league is all like media or clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got, what I've got to do is do a better job of, uh, of finding some Newcastle supporters to follow um, and sort of, you know, get the experience through their eyes. So, hey, if you're listening and you're based in the UK, give me a follow and I'll follow you back. Yeah, that's true. Um, as someone who almost entirely sees only Newcastle fan content and see all the unrest and the good and the bad, uh, this is good. And this is something that I, I do think uh, in, in English football as a whole, the, the fans are such a heartbeat to, to the clubs that something like this just had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and there are some clubs that were really good at it. And then you had situations like Newcastle, uh, you know, just last year where, you know, the fans felt alienated by the team, which is the exact opposite of what you want if you're the Premier League. And so, you know, you don't, you can't have these two extremes. So it's good they got ahead of it and said, all right, well, let's make a standard. And they've got the fan councils and things like that. So, you know, we'll see how it works. I, I, I am always weary of, uh, you know, things like this because you can make a plan. And if that's the only, you know, if that's the only requirement, which is what it looks like, uh, that's the only requirement, then, uh, you know, who's holding some of these other clubs accountable. But mm. we'll cross that bridge when we get there. No need to <laughs> hash that hash that bit out. Um couple other things uh Miguel Amaron has been rumored to be player of the month there's been some FIFA leaks that have indicated the players of the month around the world some some journalists are picking it up but I just wanted to get ahead of it I I would honestly be a little bit surprised if he wasn't player of the month at this rate given the ringing endorsement he got from Bruno uh Alan Shearer I mean it just feels like like everyone who is not a Manchester City fan probably voted for Miguel Amaron uh, he's got a lot of really good publicity on the I mean, BBC accounts, Fox I heard, accounts. I heard even some city city players, but I think Grealish voted for Miggy. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I've heard Mares as well. Uh, but yes, um, but yeah. So shout out to Miggy if that's true, and you know, I'm I'm sure that we're gonna drop this podcast and it's gonna get announced, like when this is dropped. So sure, whatever. Sure. Um, and then uh, just. Interesting one. Uh, as we're recording this, I think we are officially a, a year into the Eddie Howe era. Um, he's actually asked about it uh, by the, but wow, well, I said by the club. Um, but this is uh, just kind of Eddie's thoughts on a year in. He said uh, the question was like, "What are you hoping for for year two? And he said, "Hopefully more of the same in the sense of what we delivered this season. Really, I think changes will happen in terms of the external forces that will work maybe against us." in terms of expectation and other things that can come into play. I think we've just got to try and stay under, stay under that and away from that and just concentrate on what we're delivering as best as we can. So just focus on the football and the principles behind our game. Who knows? You can't predict football. That's why everyone loves the game so much. You can never tell what's going to happen. The only thing we can control is our effort levels and our commitment to what we're doing. That's why Eddie Howe said, I wish I had done this and just pulled up what Eddie Howe said after his first or after his first, uh, press conference at Newcastle because I feel like this is pretty much the same thing Eddie Howe has said for an entire year of we can only control what we do at the club so we're just going to give it our best and like that's what we're going to hope for and if that results in 
a cup run, if that results in us winning the league, you know, our standard is we want to go out there, play as best as we can and try to win games. And he's been like that for the entire year. Josh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on just like this first year under Eddie, um, you know, yeah, that surprised uh, you, all that kind of stuff. Steady Eddie. Like, yeah. Um, listen, I mean, I've, I, today I listened to two different Newcastle podcasts as well. And so I'm just sort of like, many more well-qualified actual journalists have spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time in those respective podcasts waxing poetically about Eddie Howe, what he's been able to accomplish, what the initial goal to survive was, how he's been able to slowly adapt the players that he has to, to meet the sliding goals. So he said, okay, Goal number one, let's get, let's survive the Premier League. Like, you know, let's stay out of the bottom four. Let's, let's make that our goal. And now it's like, let's stay in the top four. Right. And so what a difference a year makes when, but you know, when, where you're at is significantly changed, but his demeanor and his attitude and his sense of reality, um, his mission hasn't changed. And that is to, to get the most out of each player that he can and celebrate them and create personal relationships and, and meaningful relationships. Um, and we'll get into how that affects the team probably when we talk about the upcoming matches. But um, Eddie Howe is a superb manager. Um, and I hope the results... I mean, obviously for multiple reasons, but I just hope the results stay the course and we get to keep them for a long time. I, I hope yeah. we get many more years. You, you, you hear him speak and he just did another podcast where I, I cannot remember who actually like, you can look up Eddie Howe interview. It's the podcast is on, on YouTube. Somewhere. I know. I, I um, heard about it earlier today and I want to go, I think it's like high, high energy or high performance yeah. or something like that. And I got to go hunt it down. Yeah, I saw like a, a 10 minute clip from it uh, of just him talking about, uh, you know, the biggest surprise of when, you know, he got there and it it, started, it turned into a larger conversation. And I mean, you can watch the video yourself, but he essentially was talking about how his biggest shock about, you know, arriving to Newcastle was really the willingness of the players to go out and work and they genuinely wanted to be better. And so that led to him basically talking about his general philosophy of, he just wants every player to reach the best potential, like the, their maximum potential that they can. Uh, he wants what's best for every player. If that means that they become so good that they move on from the club, he's completely fine with that. And I think that's the right mentality to have as a manager of, if I'm if I'm showing the players that I want the best for them and I can get the best out of them and I want nothing but success from them, even if that means that eventually they leave the club, you're going to get 110% from every single player, every single match, because, you know, they've got their own goals and they know that you're supporting whatever their goals are as well. And so if they're playing at their highest level, your team is going to play at the highest level. And that's what you've seen from Newcastle this season. In fact, that's what we've seen since Eddie Howe's coming to the league uh, with Newcastle. This is just a quick, fascinating thing. Uh, Athletic has a really good piece on this, uh, just talking about the numbers. This is, uh, this is, Newcastle, you know, against all the other Premier League teams for the last year. So this is Eddie Howe takes over, has his first match from until now. Newcastle sit fifth behind Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City uh, in terms of points since Eddie Howe's come in. They've got 71 points. They're just above Chelsea with 69 points. And part of that is we played one more game than Chelsea. But 
it just speaks levels to he's come in and it's really been, you know, more than just the influx of cash. Like I think people are starting to give Eddie Howe credit uh, where credit is due. And maybe that took Miguel Amarone having the season of his life uh, this so far, but people are starting to take notice because they're realizing that, Oh wow, this team was, 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 was good. And, and, and has been good. You know, when Kieran Trippier was injured, when Alan St. Maxwell was injured, when Callum Wilson was injured, other people were stepping up when Bruno wasn't playing. It was Joe Willick, you know, and, and, and John Joe Shelby and Sean Longstaff. Like I think people are starting to take note. And so it's good. And I hope Eddie stays. I think he's got the right mentality to grow with the club and, and handle the, 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 the additional expectations. All right, cool. Um, let's, let's hop into what happened uh, this past weekend, because I made a prediction, Josh, for the first time since you've joined this podcast, my prediction is the one that reigns supreme. I said, if Newcastle score more than three goals against Southampton, Ralph Hausenhutl will likely be sacked. And literally the same day that right. Newcastle you put four past Southampton, <laughs> uh, the reports already started flooding in from the athletic that I was like, I was like, was, chill. Was gonna get sacked. I was, <laughs> like, were- I was like, chill. No, no, it won't happen. They got, they got a couple more weeks in them. And you're like, no, nah, dude. That's not how it's going to your credit, it was like every report from The Athletic, and I trust them more than I trust other news sources just in general, um, was that they, the initial plan was to wait until the World Cup break, exactly like you said. So I do think that if this was a little bit closer, if they had, you know, maybe made it, if it was a, a two-goal margin instead of, you know, you know more than that, Maybe he would have he would have stuck around and seen if they could make a result heading heading into the break. But yes, like like you said, um, they, it would the initial plan was to wait until the break. So I'll give you credit, but Newcastle did win against Southampton. Um, we have we have honestly way too many three words to read <laughs> from this. That's uh, great, so though. Gonna, I, I love yeah. having that many responses. That's exciting. Yeah, no, we have uh, we have a lot of three words. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna breeze through a couple of them just because uh, there's there's again there's a lot there's there's some unique ones some new ones. We had 77 responses in total to our three words. Uh, so I'm just gonna literally all right. We'll go to we'll go to some original people that we we know and love. Uh, Eric Schmidt says uh, we've got wood. That's in the FC Indiana. He chimed in. Um, ben at Jarney Ben said up the Maggies. Which and put a Joe Willock uh, gif, which is funny um, because of his "Come on, you Maggies," uh, that kind of stuff. Ronnie Bruce says, "What the actual?" Um, Greg <laughs> Rutledge says, "We're fucking massive." I mean, there's so many. There, there's Saint Minimum says, "We are ginormous." Uh, Johnny says, "Fantastic," which is not really three words. Um, there's there's gmax7448 says do a lester ian hashtag i'm done hashtag kbf hashtag wait wait, he's got so free to choose Uh, what is i don't know what kbf means uh that could have been i could have made an oopsie there so i don't don't know know. i don't know (laughs) he said miggy strikes again there's there's a lot of top four mags i mean a lot of people are excited about another newcastle win that has put newcastle into third place unbelievable so yeah 4-1 win um away from home uh in the rain just i don't know josh you got any quick thoughts before i i hop into just the the quick lineups 
Any thoughts? What are your three words from that match? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I hadn't even thought of three words. Um, Good. Probably end of Haas and Hootle. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, um, but yeah, thanks, thanks again for all the love and support. And if someone is hearing this podcast for the first time because they followed after this Sunday, welcome. Uh, welcome to the American Perspective. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, because I know the majority of you a lot are, are British. Uh, so real quick, this is who Newcastle threw out there. Joelinton, as we mentioned on the last pod, had, was, mm-hmm. had a yellow card accumulation. Um, we actually, I think we... We thought it was. We thought ASM was going to probably get his full run, but both him and Shelby started from the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. It was Jacob Murphy who had a pretty solid game, if I do say so myself, uh, with Callum Wilson and Miguel Amaron in attack. Joe Willock, Bruno, and Sean Longstaff as the midfield three, and then the back line has not changed at all. It's still Burn, Botman, Share, and Trippier with Gorgeous. Nick Pope in between the sticks. Uh, of course. Very unlucky for them to not get the clean sheet, even though like the goal we gave up had nothing to do with that back four. It's unfortunate that they didn't get credited with the clean sheet. Um, if they had, Nick Pope would actually be leading the Premier League in clean sheets. He's tied with, I want to say, Ederson and maybe uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ramsey for with six clean sheets, So, uh, which great company to be in, uh, if I say so myself. So that's the, the lineup Newcastle rolled out with. Um, as we all know, Newcastle scored – Four goals. Um, Miguel Amaron scored. Uh, Joe Willock scored. Bruno scored. Jeez, um, who else scored? Uh, well, oh, I've got, oh yeah. Chris Wood. I totally yeah. forgot Chris Wood scored. Yeah. Wow. What uh, a, that's, that's, yeah. That's, it was big. It was a big deal for him. It was a big deal for him, but yeah. apparently, apparently, you don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, he, I mean, he was, he's like, he, he literally, like, like, he's, he's like, I, need, I needed this. I needed yeah. this. So I was like, <laughs> okay, dude, sick. Uh, okay. Yeah, Josh, what what are your thoughts? I mean, you want to take um, a I wanted to take a look at the statistics, and I know that um, this was a little wild. And, 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 I mean, if you watch the first 20 minutes of this match, if you watch the first 30 minutes of this match, I mean, I, I will sort of, like, call in response to – that that consolation goal at the end for Perot, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really, and I would say that it was earned because if you look at if you look at the attack from Southampton in the first thirty minutes, they had their tails up. They I mean they started off. Um, Hassan Hoodle probably knew, hey man, if I don't win this, I lose my job. So he yeah. probably got them all, you know, firing. And I mean, let's I mean take a look at Southampton. They, they dominated. Well, they led in possession. I hate domination. They had fifty six percent. So they they led yeah. in possession, right? But they led in completed passes, four hundred sixty eight to three hundred eighty. They had a higher pass percentage. They had fewer fouls, but they had more offsides and more corners. To me, they were in offside position more often than Newcastle and had more corners because they were a more aggressive team. Um, so they're constantly going, like like I said, they're going to be going down um, the wing, looking to hook up and, and get in behind. And maybe maybe they just thought, thought that was going to be the weakness. I was, I was honestly like a thought that occurred to me despite him being on the other team, it was really nice to see Theo Walcott. Um, He looked decent on the right side. And it was a name that honestly, like in our previous conversation, I wasn't accounting for in the preview of this match. Um, But it was nice to see him. By the way, uh, 400th start in the Premier League for him. It's wild. 
It's like, fantastic. It's insane. I mean, he's 33, but still, I mean, to play that many games as a starter, I mean, I think he's played in total almost probably close to almost 500, if not more, if that's his 400 start. But yeah, that's it's yeah. insane. It's really nice to see him and like Danny Welbeck and I mean yeah. some of these some of these uh you know these these old timers who <laughs> they were like Danny they were the big is yeah. another one. I mean they're some of the some of the big big names ten years ago and these guys are still cracking so good 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 for him but he did put in a dangerous pass and he did see a few opportunities um, that even I think Perot had an opportunity and they just kind of couldn't they couldn't connect and I think a lot of things didn't click for them. But much like all the other teams, that as soon as Newcastle scored, as soon as Almiron got that very first goal in the 35th minute, right? Yeah, done for. That was it. Yeah. Like it breaks, it breaks their, it breaks their back, it breaks their spirit. And so, it, what I thought was interesting too is I know I think Wilson's getting rested this week, but Wilson also came off at the half, and yeah. I think it was that first Almiron goal. If you if you watch Wilson on his, he kind of does a, he kind of does like a. A touch pass, like a, a, a bit of it, because Almiron comes from deep, makes yeah. a, makes a run back up the middle um, into the channel, and and Wilson receives the ball and kind of like passes it on, uh, like a little give and go there, like yeah, and, and unfortunately doesn't get the assist because it slightly came off a defender, which right. that's so unlucky because it, it it really was a great pass to set up the move. It was, but I think he also got clobbered. If you like, you go back and don't yeah. pay attention to the amazing like drag and like pull around that Almiron's doing on the defender, which whether it was intentional or not, I will never know. But um, Wilson gets absolutely like, you know, he he takes a knock there, uh, yeah. and I wonder if I wonder if that's sort of like ten minutes later you get the halftime and maybe that's when. Um, Eddie was like, you know what? Let's not even risk this. I don't want to risk you not making it to, you know, to the World Cup on this kind of shit. So that's where we see Chris Wood come in, subbed in at the half. And so my notes are like roll, spin, poke, and smash on on the or not smash, uh, exclaim. Or my, that, or my, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that was a really good goal from Chris Wood. I think, yeah. I would say I, I, I would go as far to say it's like it's just not the goal that I think Newcastle fans expected when we're like we got Chris Wood and honestly I think it's not the goal that like like he you would have you would have seen from Chris Wood given how Newcastle tend to play when he comes in like they're always just swinging balls into the box swinging balls in the box and this was like no like he's got the ability to to, to, to do the one time finishes and turn and and shoot like that's that's something that's in his game so. I, I kind of hope that if he comes in, like we are a little bit more creative in how we try to feed him uh, options. I think like as great as it is to have a large target man, like if he's got the ability to not play like that, then, you know, why not? So I don't know. It was yeah. Cool. I would also want to give Murphy credit on that play. If yeah. you go back and you kind of rewatch that, I think the announcer was like, Oh, the ball rolled right in front of Chris and, and he took a shot, but it didn't just roll there. Yeah. <laughs> Murphy Murphy knew what he was doing. He put it right where it needed to be. And I think um I think Wood saw that intentional pass in the space there and knew he wouldn't put it there unless I could. Right? Yeah. So it's 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 ninety percent instinct, ten percent trust. And he just like it's like I'm just gonna go for it because he it was there. Um, it's confidence too. I mean, like yeah. we talk about it all the time, and it's so easy to see. I think for everyone else who doesn't watch Newcastle, it's so easy to see when you see like Miguel and have the run he has and to see uh, 
certain players just playing out of their mind. But like you see, like like the Jacob Murphy that I saw a year ago would not do that. The Jacob Murphy would not that I knew a year ago would not be that composed in the box to pick out the right pass to find the forward. I think the Jacob Murphy a year ago would have tried to shoot from that position and and hit it too hard and would have gone wide, you know, yeah, or or hit the post. And like, yes, Jacob Murphy still hitting the post because like he and the post signed some sort of deal with the devil uh, years ago. But I mean, like his decision-making has gotten so much better because I think similar to McGowan, he's, he's, he's a player that like has like just, so much going on, like moving a million miles an hour uh, and needs that sense of understanding and direction and knowing like what the options are going to be once they receive the ball, like knowing what everyone else is doing, knowing what his options are. Like he's just another player that's probably benefiting from having clear instructions from Eddie Howe. So uh, he's just another one where you see the little things that he's doing better. Same with Sean Longstaff. I mean, we've talked about Sean a bunch. I mean, I think one of the first ones you could probably peg is like, the little things that they're doing that are different, Fabian Share. Like, it's just, it's cool to see that. And I'm not going to say Chris Wood because I don't think we ever got a fair shot at really Chris Wood's max potential at Newcastle. Um, but yeah, fair play to Jacob Murphy there. Absolutely. I would also, I want to commend, um, I mean, I don't need to. Kieran Tripp here is just oh, yeah. fantastic. That through ball to Willick. Like, yeah. And, and, and this is what I saw. This is what I saw. That 60-second minute, Willick kind of like ran after that ball and kind of toe-poked it, and it rolled right into the right place. They panned over to Ralph Hosenhoodle at that moment, and that was the moment he lost his job. Yeah. That no, was, it was it. Because you and, saw and, the and also, you got to remember, it was like maybe within, what, five minutes after the it – was, it was not that long. It didn't feel like it was that long between those two goals. No, it was a, it was a one-two punch. It was a jab and an uppercut. Yeah, it was four minutes. It was Chris Wood scores in the 58th minute, and then Willock scores in the 62nd minute. So yeah. really, it's like probably boom, like boom. three-ish minutes. Like It was boom, boom. You know, But you could see the look in, in Hasanul's face. They did pan to it, and he does this look like a resignation. Like he knew he was fired in that moment. He goes, "Oh well." You're like I mean, you can see, he's like, "Oh, okay." You know, okay. like he and that was just to me. That was the moment that he broke. Like the team broke earlier, but that was that was his last gasp. Well, and even if you look at like the subs he made, 64th minute, he subs off Theo Walcott, Che Adams, and um, and Stuart Armstrong, and he brings in like some teenagers, like some <laughs> brings in some guys who haven't played. Like he brings in a dozy. He brought on Adam Armstrong for a little bit. You know, he brought on uh, Joe Arriba, who just I think he's been he's been he hasn't really played as much as I think anticipated in the season. So like it, it was full consolation at that point. Like anytime you're bringing in a guy who's playing, it's his former team. Like, yeah, it's just like, OK, you know, Adam, go out there and do something. And or you're, you sub on a, a, a legit 19 year old who like been in and out of of the first team like. All right, you've 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 realized that like I'm done. This game is done. There's not really a chance of a comeback. And I don't know if I would say that like Eddie or someone else would do the same thing. Even if they're down three goals, they're like, we still got 20 minutes. Let's at least try to get one back, two back, something like that. Like, no, he was done. He was, he was done. Like he literally subbed off. You know, the players that were performing well for them. Uh, like, che, I mean, like you said earlier in the match, like Che Adams looked pretty solid. 
Um, I think Stuart Armstrong played really well for them. I mean, the only player he didn't sub off that was doing really well was Elianusi, who should have scored in the first half. Yeah. And he, like, he subbed off it the Owalcott. It could have been a whole different said, game. It, I mean, it could have been. I, maybe. It could have been closer. Uh, but, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Like, you never yeah. know. I like. I'd say it could have been closer, but I just I like the run of form Newcastle on. I I think even if Southampton had scored first, I still think this would have been like a two one three one at a minimum, just because there were obvious holes in in their defense, and it was only a matter of time before, like, you know, things things broke down. I mean, the defense was sus before, and then they brought in. Uh, they actually tried to fix the issue with uh, Juan Larios, uh, the the young Spaniard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got injured. So now your complete defensive plan has gone to crap. Now you've got to move guys around, shuffle the back line. So it felt like, all right, you know, regardless, Newcastle were going to score at some point. But cool. Uh, and then we get to uh, their goal, which uh, is – is the reason I said it was undeserved was it was like at that point in the match, like you said, it felt as if Southampton – I wouldn't say it felt like everyone had given up on that team except for the the teenage kid Samuel Dozy Sam Dozy like he was great he was trying stuff it was well it yeah, was nice to see I think there's a handful of players that were playing for the next manager right yeah so of course they were like you know what I'm gonna do well I'm gonna fight until the last whistle because I want the next guy that comes in and watches this match to see that I did that so hopefully and and hopefully for them like I don't you know I, I want Newcastle to win the league but. In, in that process, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, some young players from another team try real hard and get a good run out. So hopefully yeah. those players, they, they made a statement by fighting till the end. Um, and, and I would say pro had been in position a, a couple of times and, and yeah, he had was, a few shots. And, like, it, it, it was, yeah. it was, it was coming. Uh, but, uh, but that whole, I think as a Newcastle fan, like you're so used to seeing such an organized defense. And at that point, uh, we sub off Trippier, um, and uh, Javi Manquillo, who, like, good for him for being able to play. He had just gone up in the attack, and um, this is, like, just classic. Just these two haven't played together, or also just have Elliot Anderson hasn't played as much as, as you know, Miguel Amron, like, or any of the other guys. Like, just someone did not cover where they should have. And so Javi Manquillo was not in his natural right-back position when that attacking move was made. He was still tracking back. At yeah. that point, Elliot Anderson has to slide back and recognize like he's the last man back on that side, and he doesn't. And and uh, and um, geez, I've already forgotten the guy's name. Perot, Perso, but what's his name? Yeah, Perot. Uh, Perot. Yeah. Perot gets in behind because he's he's essentially unmarked and just has like a clear path to goal. And I mean, the his shot was if you're gonna if you're gonna have you know shot on target. That that's the one to have. It was it was a good one. It was yeah, a good one. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. But then, of course, uh, unfortunately for him, uh, and unfortunately for Southampton, any sort of spark of hope that they had that maybe that their attack was <laughs> going to do anything decent to close out the match or show signs of life, heading into the midweek uh, cup matches, immediately dissipated with Bruno deciding, you know what, I'm just going to score a long range goal, um, just because I can and uh, dedicated yeah. to my newborn and he did yeah <laughs> I saw him, I was like, yeah, oh man he was like no no he was a man on a mission he was like nah no nah, never mind give and go yeah. scores the goal and then gives that m and i was like what's he doing what are those fingers oh it's a little m it's a little m for mateo and it was so funny because it was like it was it was the 91st minute and so like when you're up 3-1 like most teams you're just slowing the game down time wasting 
But Bruno was like, no, I'd like to score. And so he's I think I think you couple that excitement to score, but with it with the team Southampton had the audacity to put one in the back of the net. I think had Southampton not scored, Newcastle would have slowed it down. Oh right? yeah, but uh, uh, maybe I think like it feels like Newcastle. Mm, I would I would disagree with that just because I think they don't because they just they, don't they, they just don't like it. It does feel like like we've talked about it, it does feel like the last few matches could have been four or five or you know at times six because Newcastle don't ever take their foot off the gas. Like, I mean, even then, to it, the commentators were talking about it. Like, I know it was to get everyone's legs under them, but for 20 minutes, John Joe Shelby and Alan St. Maxman played. Like, if you're Southampton, you already have just been demoralized by the back-to-back goals of 3-0, and then you see you're, you're bringing on your teenagers, you're bringing on your guys who haven't played as much this season, and then Newcastle's like, all right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sub on two of our best players from last season. Uh, just we're gonna sub them on now, and it's it's the same feeling I got when you know you're looking and we're playing a rotated Manchester City side, and they're up one nothing, and it's like all right, you know maybe we can keep this close, and then they're like, all right, we're gonna bring on Kevin De Bruyne, and you're like, all right, well, okay, well, like that one nothing is now two nothing, uh, and lo and behold, I mean, Alan Maxman got an assist, like. <laughs> It may not have been the most work he's done, but uh, he got an assist. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> he just literally, like, two-yard pass to Bruno, and Bruno just did the rest, and it counts as an assist for ASM. So, yeah, that was good. good for him. Uh, who's numbers. your – do you have a man of the match uh, for this? Uh, I don't know. Do you have one? Oh, um, Miggy's too easy, isn't it? Um, I th- yeah, I mean, Miggy's man of the month. Yeah, it's too easy. I would. I, I want to go with uh, with Trippier. Yeah, I think a good one. just. I just think he's such a. I think he's such a good anchor in defense. To me, I mean, to me, he makes the England. He makes the whole England team better because he's that much, even that much better, right? I think he's the best defender on on the English team, let alone Newcastle. Um, but for him to be such a solid member of the of that back line. To hit that through ball to Willick to see that, like I don't think anybody else could see that. I mean, maybe Shelby, uh, you know, at at the top of his game might be able to hit that pass, but like the the vision, the vision and the timing and the weight on that was just a, remarkable, especially on I, that soggy. That soggy I'd say hit. There's there's three players in the club that make that pass. Maybe four, depending on how Fabian Sharons and Botman do. So four or five, but no, no, I'd say there's three. There's really only three players that make that pass. It's Bruno, it's Trippier, and it's maybe Shelby. And I think Shelby's is a ball over the top. I think Bruno and Trippier are the only guys that would play a ball like that on the ground, like just with the amount of curve it had. Like it, like seeing the the alternate angles of that goal, you see how that ball like literally curves on the ground around the. It's just like how do you even play a ball like that? Uh, right, perfectly into the feet of Joe Willock. He takes one touch and just rolls it in the goal. Like it's. Uh, Gorgeous. It's, it's it's such a good ball, <laughs> um, uh, and it's one of those where you know uh, it's just you're used used to it at this point from from players like that. Uh, We're spoiled. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'd say there's two players that stuck out to me. The first being Nick Pope because I, I agree with you. I think uh, Southampton looked pretty dangerous early on, and Nick Pope had a couple of saves in the beginning mm-hmm. of the match just to keep things keep things level uh, and, and did a good job. Uh, slowing down any sort of corner threats, any sort of free kick threats, all that kind of jazz. 
Uh, and then uh, Joe Willick, I think, just was had a really solid all-around game and was awarded with the goal, his first of the season. I just think he had a good just good all-around game. You know, he, he wasn't a, a detriment to the team, and that's good. Um, and he, you know, kept things ticking, uh, got in behind, had some opportunities, was just involved in the attack, uh, not really losing the ball. So it was nice. I mean, I think the whole midfield played well, but I think it was nice to see Joe Willick finally, you know, get – get the, a much-deserved goal for being a pretty good player this season um, that may have just been unlucky with with some of the opportunities he's had. So, yeah, uh, any uh, closing thoughts on uh, the Southampton match, the end of the House and Hootal era? Do you think uh, you think he's going to be in Bundesliga or do you think he's going to take a year off and, and reflect or is he going to be a national team manager? I wonder what's next for him. I, I don't know. I think it depends on which team comes a knock in. The Bundesliga has a lot of turnover regularly. So, I mean, who knows? By by January 1st, he may have he may re- settle back in, get, you know, get back to continental Europe and and you might get a job offer in Austria or maybe Germany and yeah. maybe Vol- maybe Wolfsburg. I mean, I don't even know how Wolfsburg is doing in the Bundesliga right now, but they always seem to have some turnover, so it wouldn't surprise me if they offer him a, a godly amount of money to take over. I will say it does feel like the the like you see the people take the breaks after they've been in a club for a while. Like I mean, Eddie did it. I mean, Poch is kind of doing it. Um whether I I mean, he's turning down jobs. So I'm going to say he's taking a he's taking a break. Um, but like uh, Tuchel's doing it, he's ter- actively turning down jobs uh, that on paper are good jobs. I think like give yourself some time, you know, the jobs will, I think he's going to be another name that's like, he's always going to be available, um, especially because like some of the the, the mainstay names of uh, Prem Glory, like, you know, like dare I say it, Steve Bruce or, or Sam Allardyce, like Fat Sam, uh, yeah. they're 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 not like no one's calling on them anymore so uh i i think i think i honestly think he takes a bit of a break and maybe he, he's it's next summer we see him make a move maybe, to a team maybe um, i just i don't see i don't see anyone in england ever giving him another call but like i said there's I, so much turnover i don't know in, i think I, yeah I, I would say i think he there's a shot he could be in england again because i do think overall like i think people do have to admit that he, Southampton could have put, they might have reached like for his time there like they definitely reached the ceiling like they had they were a very solid mid-table team that at times found themselves in the top 10 floating flirting with you know 10th to 12th at the end of the season mm. and there's like you know he, he always like you said in the last pot, pot he always found a way to to keep them up like I think that there is a space for that manager if a team is is fine like with like I think you know, if, if a QPR makes it to the league and like it's going pretty poorly for them, I could see him, them bring, you know, mm. bring him in or something like that. I think that some of the promoted sides will will give him a look because he did take on paper a team that at times did not have the talent to be in the in the top 10 or were on the verge of losing talent all the time or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he made the right loan signings, he made the right loan moves, made the right just signings in general and kept them up and had them overperforming to an extent. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick ad break so Vox can get paid. Uh, so that will happen right about now. All right. Um, we've got a couple matches this week. Uh, so when this pod drops, we will probably beat, not probably, we, we will have Palace that day in the, uh, in the League Cup 
is it what are they is it the carabao cup still um i'm assuming uh, yeah i think so I sure the... Yeah, yeah, so something like that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, as we kind of alluded to a little bit uh, earlier, this uh, I think this is going to be uh, in in terms of like World Cup stuff. I think we're going to start to see um, managers resting players this week, which you know affects how we do our previews and stuff here. Uh, Eddie Howe actually alluded to the fact that um, in this match in particular, he might be uh, looking at a uh, at um. At rotating a little bit. Uh, so um, first and foremost, he did mention that um, they took Callum Wilson off as a precautionary measure just because uh, it wasn't really injury related. It was more of he was still feeling a little bit ill, um, had a little bit like and even there were some clips of him on the bench talking about how he was like, oh, yeah, no, my chest, like my chest just kind of feels hurt. So he's still sick. So they're arresting him. And I think, like you said earlier, Josh, there's also that no reason to risk him uh, missing out on probably his only opportunity in his career to go to the World Cup, um, I would imagine, because he's, what, 30, 30-ish? So, oh, this will uh, be it. I'm pretty yeah, sure this will be I, it. Yeah, I don't think. And same with Trippier is probably his one of his last opportunities to go to the World Cup. I don't foresee England doing what Brazil did with Danny Alves. Uh, so um, I, both of them are going to likely be rested against Crystal Palace is what we've alluded to. Uh, Kieran Trippier did have a little bit of a hamstring issue uh, right before the half or at the end of the half. Um, and he just needed to be stretched and he felt fine. But Eddie was like, we're just going to you know, take our time with them both. Um, also mentioned that uh, – um, and for the record, no problems with Kieran is exactly what Eddie Howe said. But uh, there was some avail- some someone asked in the pregame presser about Elliot Anderson, and it opened up a can of worms in terms of the way that Eddie answered that was he'll be a number he'll be a one he'll be one of a number of players pushing. When you look at the squad we picked for Southampton, you look to the lads who didn't start. There's a lot of quality there. A lot of players who've done very well historically in the team. I've got no doubts about their ability to come in and do well if they're given the opportunity. I think it's a great position for me to be in. This, to me, is Eddie saying, we're probably going to rotate a little bit. Um, so I think we'll see. Um, maybe Jamal LaSalle's will play uh, uh, in for one of the center backs. Uh, probably Fabian Cher. Um, and maybe Dan Byrne gets rested for Matt Target. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Maybe we're going to see um, Sean Longstaff play uh, alongside John Joe Shelby. Uh, could see ASM start this one and play, have like a 60-minute appearance. Maybe Miguel Amaron gets rested for Jacob Murphy. So I think there's going to be some rotation here for both teams, Crystal Palace as well, just uh, just because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it may be less so for Crystal Palace. They have less, you know, players involved maybe internationally, but they've got some players on on, on that team that will likely be playing in the World Cup. Not, not a ton, but neither do Newcastle. So I think if you ever, if there ever was a time to rotate, it's probably now. All that to say, Eddie did say he's still taking this uh, the cup competition seriously. So, um, you have any sort of quick thoughts on on Palace? Do you think we're going to rotate? Do you think this is a a uh, a win for Newcastle, or do you think we're going to rotate to the extent where we're who? If we win, we win. If we don't, whatever. I think uh, it'd be counter it'd be counter to what Eddie had declared as one of his goals in the beginning of the season was to win a cup for him to rotate enough that he rotates out of out of the competition. I think um, I don't think that he would do that to the side. Also, take into consideration Crystal Palace. They're on a good run. I mean yeah. they they um, they won last week two one against 
uh, away to West Ham. They won the week prior. Um, they lost to Everton, but then I think that they haven't lost like since again since October first um, at home to Chelsea. Like they're good, solid tenth place in the table. Yeah, and they play not they they play Forest uh, on the weekend, and that, yeah. that's the Forest is their last match before the World Cup. I think that they're going to take that Forest match very serious because three more points could bring them up as far as sixth place going into the. World Cup break, and that'd be yeah. super great for Palace. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if they make as many, if not more, changes uh, ahead of this match than than um, Eddie Howe does. Um, I think they take their position in the league a little bit. Um, it's more tenuous, and they're going to take it a little bit more serious. So I would see Crystal Palace. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting game, and. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to jinx us, but it'll be. I think it'll be a more hard-fought win, but but a, a cup win nonetheless. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a pretty. I wouldn't say cagey affair, but I think it's going to be pretty back and forth. Um, I think the last time we rotated for a cup match, it. I do think that overall the team wasn't as they weren't gelling as much as like I think now. If you'd put the same lineup we did out the first time in the first, and I forgot we played in the first round of this cup for us. I think that that team easily wins instead of having to sub on Kieran Trippier. Um, just because, like, I feel like a lot of the players that we would be rotating in, like Eddie has said, like, they've been good in the past for the club. They have been good this season. Like, Jacob Murphy has been good this season. Uh, Alan St. Maxman has been good in the past for the club. John Joe Shelby still obviously has quality. Like, so the rotational pieces that we're bringing in are all still very good, which... I don't know if that's going to be a same the same across the board uh, for other teams. Maybe and maybe you could put Crystal Palace in this in this boat of you know I don't know if they're at the same level of like every single time they're making subs like those players also look very good um, and they're and those players have also been able to get starts in every so often like Newcastle's mm-hmm. players have been able to so we'll see um, I think it could be like a two one. Uh, potential win, um, yeah. and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was a two-one loss. But it is it is a home match for Newcastle, so that that also is something to take into consideration. Is it's a cut match at home, so we'll see. And I don't know. I'm excited. Twelve hours. Yeah, I'm gonna say we're actually twelve hours before this match. Uh, you your prediction, uh, real quick, or oh um, yeah, uh, I'll go two. I'll go two to one, Newcastle. Yeah. Um. Cool. And then we'll we'll quickly. Uh, quickly go through Chelsea as well. So we've got Chelsea on the weekend. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is another one where it'll be an interesting one to see what each team does. Uh, Chelsea have a lot of players that will be playing in the World Cup. And like Josh alluded to, and like I've alluded to, it just feels like the right thing to do if you're a manager. And this is unprecedented. Like, I mean, this is, we don't, this is, <laughs> we don't have to unpack why this is unprecedented, but we, this is something we just don't typically see is like, in the middle of a Premier League season or any season, a major tournament of any time uh, of any kind, where you you're thinking about resting your best players so that they have an opportunity to play, and you know for some players could be a once in a career opportunity. So I think again, I think for Newcastle, probably anyone who is not playing in the World Cup is going to play on 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 Saturday, and anyone who is is probably not. So I think Cher's not playing. I think. Uh, Nick Pope might not play. Uh, we could see a spot start here for Carius. 
Uh, and I, I'm guessing, I guess technically this will be, we'll probably see a spot start for carries tomorrow as well, maybe. That's what I was going to um, say. I wouldn't surprise yeah, so, if carries started tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's going to be the same for, I mean, yeah, and, and no, maybe no Callum Wilson, depending on how things go, we'll, we'll obviously know by then. Uh, same with Trippier. I'd be shocked if Trippier is not um, in this team. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, that that's, that's the vibe I'm going to get from the Chelsea one, in which I think both teams are going to rotate. Um, but again, I think right now, Newcastle are in, Really good form, uh, you know, if we're looking at the injury report, pretty much healthy um, outside of, you know, the the usual suspects that we have have pretty much played almost the entire season without. Uh, so, you know, and Chelsea have got some injuries, injuries as well. And again, stuff that they are, are used to. Reese James is going to be day-to-day, and he's another one I doubt will play. Uh, Conte has just been out with the hamstring injury. Kep is out with the foot injury. Which is unfortunate for him. Wesley Fofana is a, is a newer one. He's out with a knee injury, and Chuku Omega, who's one of their youth players, that's had a decent bit of an impact early on in the season. He had a couple appearances. He's out with a hamstring injury. But you know, I don't know. This is an interesting one. Chelsea probably not in the the best of form. Newcastle in really good form. I think both teams are going to rotate heavily. I don't know. Do you have any players to watch out for? <laughs> because I feel like all the players to watch out for might be. Might be on the bench. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know um, exactly what's going on. Is is um, Albabiang? Is he in the World Cup? What what country? I don't think. Is he? I don't. He's Gabon. I don't think Gabon is in the no, World Cup. I don't even think they finished high in the African Cup of Nations. To be honest with you. No. Yeah. Um, he's like the only player at Gabon. No, so I mean, yeah. he could probably play. Uh, I'm sure Connor Gallagher is gonna is gonna probably start. I would imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. Jorginho probably uh, is he, yeah he's not injured so Jorginho will probably start. Um, I, I, Havertz, Havertz might not start. Is he in the German side? I, I'm not sure if he's been called to Germany. He, probably he, he's in. You know he's in the mix for sure. And I yeah he might. I mean he had a bit of a knock. I want to say in the most recent match as well. So uh, or like a couple days a couple days. So I, I think they're just going to take it easy with him as a whole. Like looking at the squad. I mean I'm I can't tell you if Sterling is 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 in the mix. I don't but know either. Obviously, Mason obviously, Mount, I mean, yeah, Mason Mount definitely not going to play. Christian Pulisic, he doesn't play. Uh, maybe we see Ruben Loftus Cheek, Dennis Zakaria. I f- I feel like he's probably going to get called up to the Swiss national team. Um, I don't know if uh, maybe Ziyech still is. He represents Morocco. No idea if they're in the World Cup because. Yeah. The thing is, though, the difference the difference here is I think Graham Potter's in a pickle. I think Graham Potter's in a real pickle with this one. Yeah, he's, he is think, in a pickle. Yeah, he I is. think Chelsea needs this result more than Newcastle does. And I think oh, Graham yeah. Potter in particular needs this result because he is already his, – his, the, the Chelsea fan base is already calling him out, um, chanting, you don't know what you're doing, literally like chanting that at the last match. Yeah. Um, was it the last one or – yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, um, they yeah, lost, I mean, they lost. They lost at at home to Arsenal, um, and their chance of you don't know what you're doing, and like, Graham Potter's yeah. in a pickle, and I think he has to go after this. And I'm going to tell you who the sacrificial lamb might be. It's going to be Pulisic, right? I it is. I think Pulisic. Yeah. I, I think Pulisic starts, um, and I think Pulisic pulls a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and ironically, Americans are going to be mad that Pulisic is starting, and yeah. it's like he is the rotation piece. Like I don't know how to how to say it any clearer to you. Americans. You've wanted him to play, and here's yeah. his big chance. Like, um, like honestly, I think if 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 
if it's not Pulisic, it's Sterling. Like, I think I feel like at this point in British people feel free to correct this. I feel like Sterling's not really that much in the England national team picture anymore. I know he's still been a hero for them, but I I, I honestly have no idea. Uh, yeah, but I don't know either. I just I know, like I know his brother should be guy. The guy just won the uh, USL League One Cup with Tor- with Tormenta. Tormenta, there's Tormenta a, with the double the the SG women's league Tormenta. The- yeah, for for our, our British followers, there's your your pub quiz fact of the day. So uh, yeah, Kaziah Sterling is a is a uh, tournament winner in the yeah. U.S. fourth division. Um, <laughs> That's super fun. Yeah, back to Chelsea. So I mean, they they lost last week. Um, oh, oh, zero one to Arsenal. Like four days before that, they beat uh, Dinamo Zagreb, right? Two to one at home. Four days before that, they lost one to four away to Brighton. Four days before that, they had a a, a two to one win away to Salzburg. And like before, before they even play us, they still have to play away to Manchester City tomorrow. Um, they have a game too. Right, yeah, and so and they got to roll. I think they're rolling over for for that game. I think yeah, I'm with you. I think to. they're they have seven be... games, seven games in three weeks. Man, they're averaging like what is that? Like a game, a match every three every three days, something like that. No, something it, no it, it, it is. I mean, that's yeah, that's exactly what it is, and it's part of the reason Pep was like Newcastle are title contenders, and I think people took that the wrong way when they first read it. But when you go further into what he said, he basically was like they're title contenders because. Everyone else is going to have so it's going to has this crazy congested schedule with European football and cup matches and the fact that of course we have to con- we've already have a congested Premier League schedule like Newcastle are likely going to be the team that is only playing you know twice a week versus those teams are playing potentially three to four times a week at times so ridiculous so, uh, it's going to be it's going to be insane um, for sure. Um, I would tend to agree with you. I think Chelsea could go for it. I don't know if if Graham Potter is under the same amount of pressure as fans are making out to be. I think Chelsea fans like they 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 are the meme of themselves, where they make fun of their <laughs> their club for moving on from managers too quickly. But literally, they call they they call for managers' heads like a month in to, to managing yeah. the team. Give them and some it's, time. It's like you know, so so there's that, and I think the Brighton result is probably more upsetting for Chelsea fans than the Arsenal result. You know, obviously Arsenal's a rival, and that's one thing, but Arsenal are top of the table technically. Whether or not it lasts, who knows? Who cares? And they are tied with Newcastle for joint best defense in the league. So take that as you may. Like, I mean, it's maybe Arsenal is good and it's not that bad that you lost to Arsenal. Uh, And uh, we'll, so I I don't know if he's feeling the pressure from that, but I think this is winnable. And like you said, the stakes are are so much higher for them. Like if Newcastle lose this match, the worst they're going to be is fourth. If Chelsea win this match, I mean, they're, they, they could break into, uh, you know, I guess they they could be top five or or uh, yeah they could they could potentially be top five yeah yeah they could, they could be top five if results go their way so it is a it's a massive difference and uh, I don't know I don't know uh, what is your uh, prediction for for this match um yeah I want to give you I want to look at the history if okay, that's okay. yeah look, yeah I, think, I didn't know if we were gonna do it. So yeah, yeah let's and it. I think the history will help inform my prediction. Okay. Um, the all-time record for Newcastle United versus Chelsea is uh, 54-1, 39 drawn, 78 lost. 
um, from from 1954 to 1962, Newcastle only beat Chelsea one time. Mm. They have won 10 of the last 12. Chelsea has won 10 of the last 12 matches versus Newcastle. Um, we won the first meeting 1-0 in 1907 in the, in the old Division One, right? And so <laughs> Chelsea has our number, our biggest win, our biggest win, 30 August 1967. Uh, and that was um, five goals to one. Uh, Albert Bennett was a goal scorer. Wynn Davies uh, had, a, had a brace. Uh, Dave Elliott had a goal. And Tommy Robson. Uh, and, and in that in that starting lineup, um, Gordon Marshall was the keeper. Ollie Burton, Frank Clark, John McGrath, Dave Elliott, Jim <laughs> Jim Eiley, Jim Scott, Albert yeah. Bennett, Wynn Davies, Tommy Robson, and Dave Hilly. What's interesting is... Uh, 1967 is two years uh, before the Interferes Cup win. There's a couple of names in this starting lineup that are still involved in 19, by 1969, um, but by and large, this is a really unique. This is a really unique time for Newcastle, and that was a really like out of the ordinary win um, for them over Chelsea. Um, so to back to modern times, um, I think that this is a draw. Like I think, yeah, I think that both teams rotate. I think, um, I think after the cup win, that I, honestly, like if I were listening and paying attention to what Eddie Howe was saying earlier in the season, I think that he prioritizes tomorrow's match, and that that squad may even be stronger than Saturday's match. Um, but both matches are home. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I think a draw at home against Chelsea, that ain't, that's not a bad result. That's not a bad yeah. result. I, I think you could probably argue that like, this is probably the most confident Newcastle team we've seen. I would feel good about a lot of, play- I, I, and the only hesitation I say is I think Elliot Anderson starts tomorrow. And I think if he doesn't start Saturday, the attack is stronger Saturday than it is on on Wednesday, if okay. that makes sense. Like I think that's probably the the area of like, sure. Like I think everywhere else, like regardless of who starts, it's probably somewhat similar. I think there's 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 a little like maybe if Mankio starts Saturday, maybe the back line's slightly weaker. But even just because I he hasn't played as much this season, um, but I feel like if Target's starting as left back and Dan Burns left center back and Finn Botman's right center back and Mankio is right back on Saturday. Like that's still a fairly solid squad. Even if LaSalle's is playing in instead of Botman, it's probably weaker than, you know, what we've seen in the past, but it's still a decent squad and still players who are confident. And I think anyone in the midfield right now is, is good. Like the, everyone in the midfield is full of confidence. They're all playing well. So I think regardless of if you rotate the midfield, unless you're bringing youth players, it's going to be a fairly strong midfield. And I think, Attack-wise, like, there's no reason really not to play Miguel Amaro, and there's no real reason not to play Alan St. Max, but neither one of them are going to be involved in the World Cup. So I don't see why they don't start. I don't see why Jacob Murphy doesn't start. I don't see why – I mean, we haven't heard the name Ryan Fraser. Like, he might be the weakest attacker at this point, maybe Elliot Anderson, just because those two haven't played as much. Mm. So I, it's just weird because like, even if Newcastle rotate, like, their rotation pieces are playing with such confidence that like it feels as if you know they still are going to play well 
Um, so, and, and the fact of the matter is like, you know, I, I talked about how good Arsenal is and I don't hold that against them. But like Josh pointed out, if you look at the other results, Chelsea haven't played well the past few weeks. I mean, you got the 1-1 draw with Man U. I think they drew no no to Brentford. Of course, they lost to Brighton. So like, not great. And there hasn't been a lot of, uh, of things to inspire their fans in general. So I, I understand. And while, uh, you know, it's it was I guess this is one of Graham Potter's first losses uh, as manager. It's still like it wasn't like he was just winning games left and right uh, outside of the Champions League stuff. So um, I think it could be a draw, but I'm leaning towards a two-one Newcastle win. I think Chelsea still feel the need to rotate because I think Graham Potter doesn't think his job is in danger. I think he's still going to play a rotated side of some sort because. If you, if you are a good manager and you want to manage your players well, if you have players that are going to the World Cup, you don't want to risk them getting injured. Like, you just don't. And so they've got a massive academy. I don't know how how deep they deep in, dig, dig into it, but, like, Broha's probably going to start. Like, I think Gallagher starts. I, and, again, they're, they're good players, and Newcastle were linked to both of them, and they'd be great here. But I think that they're just going to rotate, like – and I th- and I think our rotated side is better than the rotated side at the moment, just purely confidence wise. So I, I'm going. I think I'm going to stick and say two one win uh, for Newcastle. I'm not inspired by Chelsea at the moment. Um, it's just going to be a weird Premier League Saturday. Uh, we're it's going to it's it's going to be it's going to have a strange feel. It is. Um, we're already up to twenty players. We've only had like six nations announced teams, and we're already up to twenty players uh, yeah. who are who are from the Premier League being played. Like it's going to. I think it, it's going to be. I don't know. It could be like 60-ish players from the Prem that are all slated to go to the World Cup. Um, Yeah, probably 60 players. I think that might actually be a really good guess. And I think that just means that everyone's going to have these slightly rotated sides and it's just going to be a really weird week. And probably the only teams that are going to look like themselves are maybe Man City because they're so deep and like – like systemically like even their rotated size as we saw in champions league tend to still win and play well (laughs) like and newcastle maybe because like they have the the, you know they have players going but they have a lot of players who are not going like some of those teams might pull out some some upsets and and look pretty good but yeah i don't know it's it's fascinating i'm excited josh you got any uh parting words for the people before uh the world cup break um, do they serve, uh, Popeye's in Cotter? No, because you got to get you some Popeye's. Yeah, dude. I love it. I love it. That's the best thing to end on. Um, yeah. If anyone's going to the world cup, good luck. That's all I have to say about that. I, yeah, just, I don't know what your experience is going to be like, but just be good smart, luck. be safe, be smart and be safe. Just, Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's so much we don't know about how that's going to go down um, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but, yeah, uh, be on the lookout for some stuff coming out from us next week. I'm pretty sure, Josh, I didn't okay this with you. I'm pretty sure we're going to still do our normal Tuesday recording, Wednesday or Thursday pub. Um, and then I'll also be on uh, doing something with the False Nines. We might get a special guest in for that as well. A little yeah, briefing. I'm going to so, try to uh, pirate a stream of the uh, the women's match. We still have these two these two matches to break down next week, and we're going to try to get uh, a guest on. Uh, maybe we'll do some historic match 
um, review. So yeah, we've got, yep. we're going to have some content through the world cup. Um, and, uh, it should be interesting. Yeah. And of course, as always, if you have a question, anytime you want us to discuss any topics you want us to discuss, our DMS are open. Uh, the, the podcast ones and my personal ones. And I don't know, Josh, I'm, I'm sure your DMS are open because ah, you're, yeah. you're a man of many talents with many people who want to reach out to you. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's going to be it for this week's episode of CHN radio. Um, I'm Elijah. That was Josh. Away the lads, and uh, we love you guys. To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home. I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker Who stands at Phoenix door He plays a mean accordion You've all seen him there before the Jody heroes, there's so many famous names like Linda Spawn in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. Newcastle, you can keep your London wing. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been a weird. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hitting how weird. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rear.